Good morning, Impact City. We're so glad that you're here. We're honored that you made time to worship with us this morning, and we're excited for what God has in store for you. Thank you, worship team. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles as you're standing for just the next little while. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verses, beginning at verses 17 to 21. Everything is in the Version app. You can go there and find the different points. For the next three weeks, we're going to look at the power of God's love over our past, today, over our present, and over our future. How many know that he has power over all three? Amen. He, we have been redeemed from the past, we're redeemed in our present, and we will be redeemed in our future. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Aren't you glad he didn't count it against us? Amen. Which he has committed to us through this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin. For us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Please take your seats for just a few moments. Jesus demonstrated his love for humanity as we know, by sacrificially giving his life on the cross and resurrecting from the dead. It is so incredible to know that, as mentioned, the priest would go in, would offer up a sacrifice. The, with the shedding of blood, there was forgiveness of sin, but it was temporary. It would only extend to the people that were in that reach, in that population at that particular time. And this was something that had to be done continually for the remission of sins to continue to, to happen. But Jesus put a stop to that all. And his work on the cross over 2,000 years ago was enough to cover our sins even today. Which is incredible just to be able to... To entertain that thought that his power, that his blood, that his love, that his mercy extends to us still because of this incredible act of love. Those who are in Christ have become new creations. Another translation says we are new creatures. We have been made new. All our past mistakes, sins, all our errors, all our failures have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Our past no longer has the final word. It no longer has the last word over our lives, but rather through Jesus, we have been given a fresh start, a new start, a bright start, a hopeful start. We have been reconciled to God and we in turn can give hope to others. That's the challenge for you and me today, that we can give hope to others by making an appeal of God's forgiving love to them as well, to let them know, hey, 
I, I, let me tell you about this man named Jesus who came to me, who came into my life and into my heart when no one else would give me an opportunity, when no one else would give me a chance. And the same love that he extended to me, he extends to you as well. What an incredible privilege it is to be able to tell someone, hey, Jesus loves you. No, it's more than just words. It's a true act that was demonstrated on the cross. And his love can change. It can restore. It can forgive. It can cleanse. It can lift up. It can restore. His love can do anything. It's incredible to know that my past does not define me. Your past does not define who you are this morning. But you are more than what you have done. You are more than what you have been associated to in the past. The heavy burdens of our past no longer are here to weigh us down. But we have to make a decision, an active and intentional decision to get past the past. And to start believing and living by the love of Jesus Christ. So today for just... The next little while, we're going to consider the ways the love of God redeems us, forgives us, and it reigns over our past. It governs our past. Because of the work of the cross, we do not need to be controlled by these mistakes that constantly come to mind because it's just a natural human tendency. Let's be very open and candid about that. Some of us have the tendency to constantly be looking over our shoulders because of past mistakes that have happened in our lives, because of mistakes that we have made. And it is a natural tendency, but it is not the will of God for our lives. Because of his work, we're not controlled by those mistakes. Because of his work, we're not controlled by those failures. Many people believe that their past is a hindrance to their present and to their future. Many people don't ever reach their potential in Christ because they're always thinking of that one event. They're always thinking of those events in their lives and they tie their present and their future. They tie their destiny to what happened years ago. And we say, and we, we have the tendency to tell ourselves, I, I can't give God praise and I can't worship him. I, I can't because I'm not worthy. We don't worship him because we're worthy. We worship him because he's worthy. We, we stop and we, we pause this morning to give him glory, not because of what we have done, but because of what, who he is and what he has done. And many people have the tendency to tie and say, you know what? I could never serve in the church. I could never do this. I could never do that. I could never share uh, what God has done in my life because I'm always tied to what occurred years ago and even though it has been covered by the blood our human side tends to always go back and revert to that moment and it holds us back from becoming who we ought to be but the bible says in hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 therefore and and the author references the heroes of faith and in hebrews 11 he says therefore let us lay down the sin and let us lay down the weight that so easily holds us back. It, you notice he makes two references. He says weight and he says sin. Every sin is a weight, but not every not every weight is a sin because there's people in our lives that can hold us back. 
There's people in our lives. There's actions in our lives. There's things in our lives that can hold us back from running this race with perseverance and from becoming who we truly ought to be in God. But God has more for us than our past. God has more for us than our past. And it can be a heavy burden. Let's just be honest. It can be a heavy burden when you feel weighed down by previous choices that we've made. Many of us can probably point to a few decisions in our lives that we have trouble living down, that we have trouble getting over. Some decisions are just honest mistakes. Some decisions have long-lasting effects. We can't control the past, but we can control the present and we can control the future. So when we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're full of teachings, of, of stories of individuals who were able to get past, of their, they were able to get past their past, and they were able to experience the fullness of Jesus because they met him, because they had interactions with him, because they came to know him, their lives were changed. The Bible tells us that there was this man named Zacchaeus, and he was a very rich man. The Bible says that he, uh, the only time that the title chief is used with tax collector is when it references Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, which probably means that he was the head of many local tax offices. Therefore, Zacchaeus would be responsible for many people, for the Roman government and for the employment and management of the local tax collectors in that time. And he was responsible for their money. And what we know that Zacchaeus, uh, through the scripture, was not a very honest man, but that he would cheat the people. And one day, the Bible says that he heard that Jesus was coming through Jericho. The Bible says because he was short in stature that he ran up a tree just to catch a glimpse of this man named Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus calls him out and says, Zacchaeus, this day I must dwell in your house. The man who didn't have the best reputation, he didn't have the best history, he didn't have the best background, he had the best opportunity because Jesus caught him and said, Zacchaeus, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made. It doesn't matter your errors, your past, your failures, your mistakes. None of that matters. Zacchaeus, I'm calling you. You and I have to, I have to be in your house today. What does this mean for us today that regardless of our past and regardless of our decisions, regardless of where we've been wrong, there is a God who sees us. There is a God who sees us and he invites us. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock that if any man hear my voice and opens the door, it's up to you and me to open the door. The Bible says, I will come in and I will dwell with him. And, and the, that's the incredible opportunity that we're given through Jesus, that he sees us. He sees us. Jesus wanted to go to his house and everything changed that day. And that's important for us today, regardless of where we've been. Look at Peter. The Bible tells us that Peter was with Jesus. And then he denies him when, when Jesus is arrested and taken into captivity. Peter denies him. He curses. He cuts a man's ear off. But he bounced back from those decisions. And he preached a powerful message on the day of Pentecost. His past, was not a, his past did not hinder him from being someone great in God. And I'm rising to tell you today that your past does not define who you are. And it doesn't 
hinder you from becoming who you ought to be in God. There's something greater for you. Yes, there's something greater for you with everything that you've done. And yes, I may not know what you've done, but he knows what you've done. And he knew it before you would even do it. And he still loves you the same. He still loves you the same. So you have Zacchaeus, you have Peter, and then you have, when you look at John chapter 4, there's a story of this woman. We don't know her name. She's just known as a Samaritan woman. And Jesus, on this occasion, he says, I must go through Samaria. Samaria was not the the best region. It was actually a city that was avoided by many people. I, I would look for ways. You would look for ways to go around it. But the Bible says that Jesus, on this one occasion, he threw his disciples off because he says, I must go through Samaria. And the Bible says that he went because there was, and we understand that there was a need in one particular woman that we'll see here in just a little bit. But the Bible says that he went and he sat. She was not there yet. She was not there yet. But the Bible says that he sat on the well and he waited for her. He waited for her. Now this woman, she, it was typical that when people would go draw water, they would either go in the morning when it was cool or they would go in the evening time when it was cool as well. People would avoid going during the day because in this desert climate, it was extremely hot. But the Bible says that this woman would go at, at, the, at noontime is when she showed up. But Jesus is there waiting for her before she even shows up, before she even arrives. I just have to stop and thank him for being a God who waited on me. I have to thank him for being a God who waited on me that when I didn't have it all together, that when I was making poor choices, that when I was hanging out with people I shouldn't have hung out with, I'm grateful for a God who waits on us. I'm grateful for a God that through the addiction and through the sin and through the strife and through the anger and through the frustration and through the loneliness and through the rejection, that while we're out making poor decisions, doing things that we shouldn't, there's a God who waits for us. Us. Aren't you glad he waited for you? Where would I be without his goodness in my life? Where would we be? And for someone here today, more importantly, he's still waiting. He's still waiting, saying, I'm here. He waited for her, and the Bible says that she shows up avoiding conversation. So it leads me to believe that if she came at this time, she would rather put up with the heat of the day than have to be around other people because the truth of the matter is that when there's nothing going good in our lives, we tend to avoid people and we tend to close off and we'd rather just not ask not ask because we don't want to be asked. And this woman is there. She comes at noon because she's avoiding people. And the Bible says that he, while he's there waiting for her, she comes. They have this conversation. The Bible lets us know that she had had five husbands. There's a man currently in, his, in her life. But here comes Jesus, who's the seventh man, the perfect number. He comes and says, yes, you've had five husbands. There's a man in your life. What you've been looking for in them he says you can find in me the bible says that he told her if you drink from this water from this well you will thirst again but if you drink from the water that i give you shall never thirst again can i tell you that there is a god who satisfies the needs that is inside of our lives that what we're looking for in other things jesus says you can find it in me what men can't give you what women can't give you what what careers can't give you what education can't give us 
Jesus can give us. We were created in his image to be dependent on him. And he is the only one that can satisfy our souls and fulfill. But what is so awesome about this, what is so awesome about this is this woman with a shady past has an encounter with Jesus. And regardless of where she had been, regardless of what she had done, that encounter changed her life. That she ran back into the city and she said, come see a man who told me everything, who told me the whole truth. Can I tell you here today that Jesus not only calls us to redeem us from our past and to forgive us, but to sustain us and to be able to share with others. Hey, there's a God in heaven that can change your life. He healed my marriage. He can heal yours. He healed my body. He can heal yours. There is a God that can do the impossible. The New Testament speaks about the transforming power of Jesus. And his selfless sacrifice on the cross and the, the triumphant resurrection that we, we know of. But when people placed their trust in Jesus, they were different. They were forgiven. They were changed. They were made new. And it was, it's the greatest news of all that our decisions, even those that, that have caused us guilt, that have caused us shame, have been canceled by the love of Jesus. Paul speaks to this. In 2 Corinthians, he sets up our key verse by bragging about on God's amazing love that he would offer Jesus' life to rescue ours. He takes the place of us. That, that is where we find the word therefore. He's referencing what took place, what he's talking about. And he says it's because of God's love that who we are in Christ matters. That we are a new creation. That we are new people. That phrase new in Christ or in Christ, should I say, is referenced quite a bit of times. Over 200 times in the New Testament, Paul uses it in Christ. It is a way of showing the connection from Jesus or, or showing the connection to, of Jesus and the union with him. That we are, when we are in him, we are united with him together because of our faith in him. We experience a transformation that makes us new. We experience a new life. But in order for this newness to be a reality, the old has to be removed first. The old has to be removed. The love of God removes all of the old sin, all of the old shame, all of the guilt, all of the mistakes, all of the failures from our lives. When his love redeems us, it overpowers the hold that had us that didn't let us sleep at night, that didn't let us go through the day with a smile because his love breaks all that down. However, it has to be cleaned up. It has to be cleaned up and there has to be a space made for the new things that Jesus wants to do in our lives. On one occasion, Jesus said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You can't do something new and something that has already been expanded. You have to create space for something new. When God comes into our life, he doesn't simply overlook our sinful past. Instead, he forgives it and he removes it. 
so that it does not have power over us anymore. When we confess our past to Jesus, what it does is we agree with him and we say, yes, we are sinners and we need you in our lives to replace our sinful ways with the godly ways. So what does that look like when we go from telling lies to speaking truth? When we go from being selfish to being selfless. When we go from spreading gossip to offering encouragement. When we go from burning with anger to smiling and being filled with the joy of the Father. For example, when you look at it this way, when you're remodeling a house, it's important to remove any of the old and rotten pieces that may be there with, and replace them with fresh materials. Because if you do not take out those old parts, they are destined to come back and we're going to have to deal with it at some other point when we try to live why is this important because when we try to live as a new creation and we hold on to our past habits and we hold on to our past sins and our past vices we end up frustrated and our relationship with God is the first thing to suffer we have to allow God to remove it all Start us fresh with a renewed start and instill in us a desire to serve him, to live for him, and to always be in his presence. The Bible says this in Psalms 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. We don't have to walk around defeated anymore. We don't have to walk around full of shame anymore. If you are a Christian and a disciple of the living God, you can be confident that he has removed it all as far as the east is from the west. I'm grateful for his love that our past does not control us anymore. Our text this morning sums it up when Paul writes about Christ taking our place. This is all God's gracious gift, it's all from him, it's all because of him, it's directly from the source who is Jesus. So it means getting past the past. And it is not something that we can do on our own. It is not something that we can do on our own, but God has reconciled us to himself. That through our sin and through our mistakes, now we can have a relationship with him because of his work. His love redeems us. His love changes us. And when we confess our sin against God and receive his forgiveness, we can move past it then and only then. And that's when we find out that love reigns in our, over our past and we are made new because of it. And not only that, then we become like the Samaritan woman. We become messengers. Of the, of the good news and the, the graciousness that we have received. The Bible says that he so loved the world, not just you and I here today, but he loved everyone 
to be re and he has called us to be reconciled to himself and he doesn't want anyone to perish but for everyone to to know him and he doesn't want anyone to just he doesn't want everyone to be weighed down by the sin by the past by everything that has come against us and everything that we have been through no but God extended us grace through Jesus's death and through his resurrection that now we are to be ambassadors we're to be messengers of the good news that we have been received we have received of it just the way you share a good restaurant when you come across it you can't help but tell someone hey have you tried this place man their food is delicious we, we can't help it's a natural tendency that we share something good that we have come across why not share the love of God that has changed us and that has stabilized us and that has given us a fresh perspective why not share the good news and say you know what I've been through what you've gone through and God helped me and I'm tr I'm confident that he is the same yesterday today and forever and that he can change and that he can work in what you're going through because a love for God is better when it is caught than taught what does that mean people want to see you and me live it out live it out we can tell people all day long that Jesus loves them but are we showing them that Jesus loves them how am I reacting how am I acting what are my expressions showing when we when people tell us good morning and we say oh yeah is it really what are, what are our actions reflecting? People don't want us to lecture them. People don't want us to tell. People want to see Jesus through us. People want to see Christ through us. If they see that there's joy that comes from our lives, from the inner parts of our souls, they will be drawn and they'll see, they'll, they'll, they'll question themselves and say, how is it possible? I know what you're going through. I, I know the trouble that you faced, but you still go to church and you still serve God and you still read your Bible and you still praise him and you still pray him. And how, how is it possible? How is it possible that you can go through that? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 16. We serve a God that is everywhere and he there is nowhere that he cannot go the Bible tells us that Paul and Silas are locked up in prison and the Bible tells us that that they are there they're bound and all of a sudden they begin to sing they begin to praise God they weren't praising him expecting something they were praising him just to soothe their souls but the Bible says that in that moment God sends an earthquake and the chains that were on them were loosened and they were set free in that moment there is a God that sees us in our hurt. There is a God that sees us in our, in our suffering. There is a God who sees us in our loneliness. And he can free us from moments that seem to be moments of defeat. There is a God who comes to the prison, to, to the prison cells. And there is a God who comes to the low moments and says, I am there also. Tell your story. Tell your story. Let people know of the goodness of God. Then we're made righteous through him. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It was counted to him. It's not that he achieved it, but because of his act of believing God, 
God said, I'm going to count it as righteousness. I'm going to consider it paid in full. This is an incredible exchange that we see that for us that takes place at the cross of Calvary. Jesus takes our wrong way of living and we are given instead the righteousness of God. The Greek meaning behind the righteousness is the idea that we are approved in the eyes of the Father because of him. Maybe someone in this room needs to hear this today, that if you are united with Christ, if you are in him, in the profession of faith, then God does not see your sinful past. You may see it, but he doesn't. He, his vision and his scope is through the blood of Jesus. And he sees you forgiven. And he sees you free. And it seems too good to be true, but that in reality is just the gospel that we believe that through the finished work of Jesus, it is done. It is done. Worship team, will you come? Through the finished work of Jesus, your past is buried. And if Christ doesn't hold us, the Bible says, therefore there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, to them that are in the spirit and not in the flesh. So if that is you, if that is me today, then what in reality is holding us back? It just comes from time to time and it causes us, like I mentioned earlier, just to look over our shoulders and to think, but God doesn't see it that way. And if he doesn't see it that way, then we should see ourselves the way he sees us. One of the greatest recipients of a fresh start was a man named Barabbas. In Matthew 27, there's a story of this man. Barabbas is imprisoned. He's waiting his moment of execution. He's waiting his moment of death. You can imagine he's in this pitch dark prison cell with not much hope. Every time that somebody's walking his way, I, he may be thinking, this is the moment. This is it. My life is over. He's taken, instead of to a place of death, he's taken to a balcony at the palace. It was the day that Pontius Pilate would release a prisoner. So Pilate sets Barabbas on the stage next to this man that we know as Jesus. I don't know why Pilate chose Barabbas. But what I, we do know is that Barabbas was one of the most rebellious men against the Roman Empire. He had a horrible past. Killed people, done all kinds of crazy things. So Pilate puts him next to Jesus. 
And he tells the people, you have Jesus, who's blameless. And you have Barabbas, who you know his past. You know, his, you know what he's done. He tells the people, you choose. Who he set him free today? Who gets a free pass? If you ask me, this comparison didn't make any sense. But the people start yelling, Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. There's no way Barabbas could be the choice. Don't you know the things that he's done? Don't you know what he said? There was no choice at all. Barabbas was guilty. Jesus is the perfect man, the miracle worker from Galilee. Maybe Pilate was thinking, there's no way that they're going to let Barabbas go. But they cried, give us Barabbas. And when they, they mentioned Jesus, they said, crucify him. Pontius Pilate washes his hands. He could have chosen any, any other prisoner, but he chose this man named Barabbas. I believe because of his past. Could have been the worst of the, all the ones that were in that prison cell that day. And Barabbas on that day, regardless of what he had done, regardless of who he had killed, regardless of the choices that he had made in life, regardless of all his mistakes and all his failures on that day, they come, they take off the shackles and he leaves that place a free man. And Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free, but no, it was not. It was the incredible love of God. That when I deserved death, that when I deserved to be in that place, there was a man, a perfect man named Jesus who came and he took my place. And regardless of everything that I had done, regardless of everything that I would do, he still was hung high and they stretched him wide on that cross because he took my place and because it didn't matter how horrible my past was. He looked past it all and said, I still love you. And he said, I still love you. So on that day, our Heavenly Father orchestrated it all. He took the place of Barabbas and he took your place and he took my place. And he said, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the price. I'll die for you. 
regardless of what you've been through, I'll pay the price, regardless of what you've said, I'll pay the price, regardless of what you've shot up in your arm, I'll pay the price, regardless of what you've ingested, I'll pay the price, regardless of who you've been with, what you've done, what you've said, I'll pay the price because I love you that much. I'll put your past is canceled by the blood of Jesus. I will take your past and I will nail it to a cross and I will be rejected and I will be mocked and I will be beaten and I will be bruised to put your past at, and to put it to, at, at rest once and for all to let him know to let you know in the book of Colossians Paul says he canceled he canceled the record he canceled the record that was against us think of everything that you could imagine think of the decisions that you and I have made list them down the Bible says in Colossians 2 14 that he canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross he died for your past he died for your past so today Maybe you're here. And you've never had the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, and as your King. I'm going to invite everyone to close their eyes right where they're at, just to bow their head. If this is you this morning, and you say, Jesus, I thank you for taking my place. I thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. And I want to make a first time decision this morning to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. I see you. I see you. He loves you that much. That he knows every detail. Bible says that he has the hairs on our head counted. If he can know something so minute and something so small, he knows the details, he knows your struggle, he knows your hurt, he knows your pain, and he says, give it all to me and I will give you beauty for ashes. I'll give you joy for your hurt. So, we're going to pray with you because we believe in doing life together. We want you to know that we're here to support you. So I invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray with me if you want to make this first time decision. And everyone, would you please pray with me? Lord, I admit, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that you are Jesus, the son of God who died for the sins of the world. 
and I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We can give God some praise this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand. I know some, there, there are some things that are hard to get over. There are, there are some things in our lives that we have done that it's hard to look past. Sometimes it's even more difficult when people tend to bring that up and throw it in our face. But if we can get to a point this morning to understand that he has paid the price for our past and I am no longer defined by that, but I am defined by the love of a heavenly father that was willing to do the unthinkable and to do the unimaginable for you and for me. So I want to pray for you before we leave this place. That the guilt, that the shame, that the thoughts of past mistakes and failures would be nailed to the cross once and for all. That we would make a choice, that we would make a decision to focus on Jesus, his blood, and his forgiveness, and not our past. So right where you're at, only you know the details of your circumstance. Only you know the details of your situation. But what I do know is that Jesus loves you regardless of what you've done. Jesus loves you and he has paid the price for your past. Jesus, right now, by the authority that is in your word, by the power that is in your name, We declare that we're moving forward. We declare that we're moving forward. We declare that we are leaving the past in the past. We declare that old things are made new. We declare new hopes, new dreams, new beginnings right now. God, I thank you for dying for my horrible past. I thank you for nailing it all to the cross and loving me that much that you're willing to go to that extreme for me. We thank you, God, that not only have you redeemed us, but you have called us to reconcile those that don't know you with you, to share our story and to share the good news of what you have done. We thank you for being a God that sees past the mistakes and the failures, but you see what we can be and you see who we will be in you. 
God, right now I declare that we will, we will reach our full potential in you, that we will experience your fullness, that we will experience your goodness, that we will experience all that you have for us right now.